0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons.
1: I'm just really excited to share with you. Uh, I don't know if I have a lot of stories that are, I don't know if you want to call it like success stories, but there's a lot that I know from my own life and from many people I've counseled, stories that kind of bring a lot of heartaches. And so I want to just kind of use it as not almost uh, as a warning, but just to kind of put it in perspective that it is hard. But I believe that with God, we're going to be able to kind of walk through this. So let me just kind of break up this group into three categories. I know it might be a generalization, but I want to just kind of mention three groups. I would say there's three specific groups in this room. The first group, uh, there are some of you who are in a relationship and you are at a point where you need to consider, seriously, am I going to marry this person? Because you guys been dating around for, I don't know, a couple of years or so, and you seriously have to come to that decision. Am I going to marry this person? The second group are those who just started a relationship and you need a lot of guidance. And so maybe this is why you're here, just to say, okay, well, this relationship seminar, we just started a, a dating or this relationship. So how do I, how do we proceed? And then the third group, which is probably the majority of us here—I don't want to assume—you uh, are single, and you are hoping that there will be somebody for you, and so you're believing that it might even be in this room. So you position yourself very well. If we break up into smaller groups, she will be right in your small group. So smart. This is that'll be one of my points. Be smart, right? No, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. That's not one of my points. But you're being very smart, so that's good. So, in this three group uh, group of people, uh, in my short time today, I'm going to try to address each of the groups. And those of you who are once again in a relationship and you need a little bit more guidance through this, uh, feel free to uh, contact Pastor Bo or myself, or any of these leaders. Some of you like, well, some of these leaders are not in a relationship. What do they know? Well, I will say this. Even though they might not know about relationships per se, but at least they have enough wisdom to help guide and lead through Scripture. And I think that will be something that will really help you along the way. So I want to start off with a question. When it comes to relationship, I want you to think about this for a moment. Who or what has influenced you the most? So think about that for a moment. In fact, can we just do that? I know you probably don't know the person next to you unless you're smart and like, I do know her. I want to get to know her really well. So if if you're next to that person, just turn to that one person next to you and for literally for one minute, so 30 seconds each, share with you – share with that other person who – if it's a person or what. It might be like through movies or whatever – influence your view of relationship the most, all right, go ahead, one minute, 30 seconds each, okay, let's come back together, I think if we're honest this afternoon, we have to say our parents are probably the ones that have influenced the most, whether you want to admit it or not, because that is the example that you have seen for 20 some plus years of your life, maybe 30. And so in many ways, that does unconsciously affect how you view relationships. You're, if you're a guy, your view towards women, how they should be treated. And for those of you who are women, how you've seen your relationship with your mom and then your mom with your dad. Some of you who grew up in a home that maybe had one of the parents, whether through a tragedy or just through, through divorce. Like literally every single one of us, whether we want to confess it or Admitted or not, that our views of relationship have been shaped primarily by our family. And I would say another big factor is just Hollywood or what we see in movies. And this is why there are so many women from Japan who go to Korea because they want to find that guy who ties his shoes on his knees. Yeah, see, you hear, you, brothers, you see how all these women go, oh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, good. Because you don't want to get trapped up in that K-drama where there's 16 episodes. I mean, You know what I'm saying? It's going gonna, it's gonna to mess you up. And so a lot of our views have been shaped by things around us, what we have gone through. And so once again, I want to challenge us. If that's you and you've tried this many, many times and it keeps on leading you to the same place, the challenge and the question is, is there another way? What I'm going to share with you are rooted in the Bible. Like I said earlier, I know some of you might not have faith or a religion. And because of that, some of these things might be really foreign. Can I just challenge us, even though it might seem very counterintuitive or things that are against what you hold as your values, but just to be able to be open-minded and to listen, because I believe that marriage and relationship is not a man or a human or a world's idea. It's a God idea from the beginning of time. And we see this in the Bible, in Genesis, in the book of Genesis. So if God is the one who designed relationships, designed us who we are as people, men and women, and if it's his plan, then it it might be a good idea to be able to say, okay, then what does he have to say about it? And we're not trying to tell you that this is how you got to do it now, because you might not agree with it. And that's okay. For me, I'm like, I'm going to just share the truth, what I know from the Bible, And then it is up to you then to be able to then discern and say, is this something that is worth listening or following through? And if you are in that insanity track, I'm hoping that you will at least give it a try. Like we've been trying to convince my children ever since they were young. We have a philosophy in our family, the Kim family, which is you try everything once. So if you don't like it, you will never have to eat that food ever again. But you got to at least try it once. And I don't know how many times my kids are like, ooh, that's so disgusting. And then they try it, and they're like, ooh, this is so good. So in the same way, I want to offer that to you. So I want to start off by giving, uh, showing you a quick video. Uh, those of you who might not be familiar with PragerU, how many of you have heard of You Can I see a raise of hands? Okay. Those of you who, who have never seen you. Uh, you can check it out, com, but they are not a university, but they are a, a just a collection of videos that are very informative. Now, of course, the bent is towards more of a conservative view, and so whether you're a liberal or a conservative, just being able to understand the other side's view helps us to understand what we believe. And so they have a lot of videos on some of the hottest topics uh, just around whether it's political, whether it's world affairs, whether it's social issues, but they just kind of give more of a Judeo-Christian value uh, on these videos. And the reason why is the founder, Dennis Prager, he's a Jewish person by background. But as some of you know, that a lot of the foundations, and uh, because I was born in Korea, but I'm from the States, a lot of the values in the States, and I think we've kind of strayed away from it, but the founding fathers of the United States of America – came from that judeo-christian values and that's why the view on democracy and some of these other things are rooted in scripture those of you who might not know you might think oh it's just a great idea from uk or from america but it's really founded by scripture biblical principles that we're made in the image of god that we have a free will that we can choose all these things are biblical principles and so uh they made a series of videos and there was one that i came across i thought was very interesting It was given by this one uh, woman who talked about how relationships are done nowadays and why that is not necessarily most beneficial for women. So I thought it was very interesting as watching. So I wanted you to watch it and to kind of give us a landscape of some of the stuff that I want to talk about that's in line with some of the stuff that she's sharing. And I hope that even though this is a different way, that your mind will be open to say if my approach is not working – and it hasn't worked for the last four or five times, then maybe this is something that I could be open to. So are we we ready with that? Okay, so let's watch this together. Amen. Uh, Goodbye. We're done. (laughs) I know a lot of the stuff that she said, some of you are very familiar with. Some of you, it's like new. And so once again, as I share, I'm hoping that this will be an encouragement and also maybe even enlightening that you will begin to search a little bit more. What I wanted to do is I want to start off and just kind of give the, uh, maybe more of the bigger picture and put it in forms of a question or put it in form of seven specific questions. And so as I kind of walk through this, uh, there will be times where I will reference to the Bible. There will be times where I might quote uh, some um, psychologists or marriage counselors and hopefully some of these things and then hopefully sprinkled in there will be little stories and different things so that you can see that what the Bible is saying is not something that was for thousands of years ago, but it's relevant for us even today. So there are seven questions that we have to ask uh, when you feel like there is someone that has a, is a p- potential future mate. So let me go over these seven questions and then t- kind of share a little bit more deeply of how to answer these questions or think about it. And then what we're going to do afterwards is going to have some question and answers. So please keep in mind the QR code. If there's something that I say uh, in the next 20-some minutes or so and you're like, I don't agree with that, and or you need more clarification, those are the things you could ask. Or if something else pops in your mind as I'm sharing, then you could also ask those questions. And then we're going to have some of our leaders kind of facilitate uh, the question and answers as uh, some of our married and... Engaged couples will share uh, from their life. So the first question you have to ask is this. Are we compatible? Are we compatible? So let me help us to look at several areas that I think is very important. First of all, their faith in Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, I'm going to read it from the NIV. It says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And I think this is a passage that sometimes is very difficult for people to just kind of receive. Because I've talked to so many people over the years, and there are these girls who are waiting for some of these guys to be proactive and approach them. And especially in the church context, because they want to marry a Christian. And I'll explain a little bit more later why that's important. But the problem is that there's a guy at work. He's like really cute. Every time he smiles, he has a little dimple over here. And, you know, he's not a small little Asian guy, but he's fairly tall. He's hilarious. He's humorous. The very value that you really want because you want to laugh when you're around this person. And just he loves sports. He loves all the stuff, even knitting. And you're like, wow, he even likes knitting. And so you're totally enamored by this guy because you pretty much see him a third of the day, five or six times a week. And you start building a relationship a working relationship initially and guess what happens you think to yourself if there seems to be some stuff going on here i'm feeling something but then you find out later he's not a believer and this is where i think so many women in the church like their heart is kind of aching because they realize that there are so many good guys but they're not believers so the question is should i not date them can i not go out with them and to that, I will say, this is what Apostle Paul was talking about in this passage in 2 Corinthians. Those of you who are not familiar with, he's using an agricultural language. When it says, do not be unequally yoked. Pretty much what happened was during the farming you know, times, they will have these ox or oxen. And they will put a piece of wood that's a really thick wood against their back. And then they will strap it with like some rain. And so they can guide the ox to plow, to pull the plow. And the reason for it is that when there's two and they're equally yoked because they're about the same size, then there's more power and you're able to move forward and get a lot more done. So Paul was thinking about that. If you are unequally yoked, then it's going to constantly go in all different directions. So he says very clearly, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and that you have professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then to be able to find someone else who also shares that faith is very important. So you got to look at, are we compatible? Another thing is their personality. Usually some of you have heard of the phrase opposites attract. And it is true. Because can you imagine two people who are very talkative, they're going to hate each other. Stop talking. I want to talk, you know. (laughs) But when you think about it, Like usually opposite tracks because the one person is a very good listener and the other person is a very good talker. And that's how it was with my wife and I. As you can tell, I'm not really much. No, I am the talker. And so my wife is a very good listener. And so I was just talking all the time and she just enjoyed listening. I'm like, wow, she's awesome. You know, and I'm just talking and I'm talking and I realized we're so opposite. And she, her compassion level goes through the roof. When we took our personality test, when we got engaged, uh, the pastor who was going to marry us, he looked at our, our, our compatibility test and he's like, you guys, you guys, did you lie on this test? Cause we were literally on the opposites of everything. If her compassion is at 90%, mine is at 10. Like I'm telling you, whatever it is on the extremes, that was us. And so he was worried if our marriage would succeed or not. He goes, Oh, you guys are really, really opposite. You need to have some commonality. But the thing is that personality is another good thing to look at when it comes to compatibility. Are you somewhat opposite or do you complement each other? Because that's what helps a marriage develop, especially even raising kids. You need people who are different in many different ways. So, Personality, is there compatibility, but not to the point where it's totally extreme, but do you have certain similar things, but yet complementary things that could help each other? Another thing to kind of help answer that question, are we compatible, is their values? Uh, Dr. Neil, uh, Neil Clark Warren, um, <clears throat> in his book Date or Soulmate, uh, he, he shares about the significance of values. Listen to what he says. For couples, similarities are like money in the bank and differences are like debts that they owe. If you want to make a marriage work with someone who is very different from you, you better have a large number of similarities as permanent equity in your account. If you don't, your relationship could be bankrupt at a frightening early age. And I cannot agree with this more because when I think about it, is that unless your faith Or your values are firmly rooted because the challenges in a relationship, especially that first three, four, even five years of marriage, is so difficult that unless you have some common ground and shared values, it's going to be that hard. And so you got to have some equity in that bank account as he gives that illustration. So that's the first thing. Are we compatible? The second question you have to ask yourself, is there chemistry? Everyone say chemistry. I know some of you hated chemistry. Some of you were good at chemistry. But as you know, that word chemistry is there. Is there a spark? Is there something going on? And let me just say there's different levels of chemistry. When I talk about different levels, maybe different ways to look at chemistry. I think first there's a physical attraction. Now, can I also just say that in many ways, you got to avoid the extremes. Because if there's no attraction, it's going to be very difficult. You're gonna to have to turn off the lights. Uh, so I just don't think that. It, I I, sh- I should. Erica, you should have gave a lot of disclaimers. Uh, those of you who think that pastors should be wearing suits and be very like holy and stuff—that's not me. All right. Uh, my personality is I tell it like it is. I'm very blunt, very direct, and I didn't know Jesus Christ until much later in my life. So I have a lot of things of my past. All right. So. So when I share some stuff and you're like, I've never heard a pastor say that. This is the reason why. All right? Anyway. But turn to somebody and say, but he's not that bad. All right? Okay? Okay? (laughs) Those of you who know me, if you don't, like, I don't know him. (laughs) He he might be bad. All right? Physical attraction. There has to be something. And uh, some some people have said, well, pastor, how about all those people who get set up? It's not a volition of the will where they're just, or it is a volition of the will where they said, well, I'm going to marry you even though I'm not attracted to you, and you learn to grow to love one another. I think there's some truth to that, but I, I want to I be realistic, and there should be some, but that should not be the only thing. Some of you, that's all you look for, and I'm telling you, there will come a time where that full <laughs> head on their head <laughs> will start looking like this. And that six-pack will turn into a one-pack. And so what I tell people is attraction is important, but it's not all of it. It has to be something more because as we get older, our body changes. And if you just love them or you just wanted to be with them because of the physical attraction, then you're going to be headed for a, a long night. And so it's important that you understand it's more than physical. But which is the second level of attraction, which is the personality attraction. And usually when we think about that, it's just that word. Have you guys heard of the word, we just click? It just clicks? It's just you kind of know, like, when you hang out together, when you talk together, like, your personality, it just clicks. It's almost, like I said before, it's a compatibility issue. But the chemistry is that you are able to kind of, it clicks. You understand And I remember when people used to say, I had such a hard time. Like, what do you mean it just clicks? But it's one of those things where unless you know it, You won't know it. But when you know it, you know it. Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm just confused myself. (laughs) Maybe a good way to look at it is this way. You end up talking to each other, and you look at your watch, and it's been three hours, and it just felt like it was only 20 minutes. That's a click. So that could be one test to look at. And it just makes you, allows you to be more free of who you are instead of trying to present yourself a certain way. And I think that's another way to look at personality attraction or the chemistry. The third question, so we have, the first one is what? Compatibility. The second one deals with chemistry. And the third one is, can you respect their character? Can you respect their character? Listen to how the American Heritage Dictionary defines character. It says this. It is a combination of qualities or features that distinguishes one person from another. A distinguishing feature or attribute. So what is it about that person that really sticks out? Not just the looks, but it's a character, it's who they are. And I think it's always helpful to know what it is that you're actually looking for. Just like in the video. If you don't have any idea, then you won't be able to know what you're looking for. So you've got to have some idea. What is that character? So listen to what David Hubbard said. Um, a comment, he's a commentator who wrote on Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, which is a book that's all about relationships. And so listen to what he says. He says this, marriage is to a person, not to a body or a brain, not to a cook. Or a breadwinner, not to a bank account or a security blanket. Love needs to remain bright when affection, admiration, and approval grows temporarily dim. If love is misdirected to a physical attribute or a behavioral pattern, it finds uh, excuses to wane when these things change. It is total when it is fixed on the whole person of the partner. So it is about who they are as a person. Even though all these other traits, looks and maybe personality, those things are important things. But as a whole, who they are in their character is very, very important. So the question is, well, how do you gauge that? There are three areas that I think are very important when it comes to character that might help you. The first one is this. It's the emotional. The emotional character. Now, some of you know that when you become more mature and you have more character... You don't have so many highs and lows. Like you're fairly, I mean, you do have some highs and some lows, but it's not erratic. Teenagers who are going through hormonal changes, they have highs and lows. My daughter, she could be happy like literally one minute and next minute she's really sad because she saw something on social media. And it's just really hard to be able to just kind of like, you, you don't know what's going to happen. So one of the things I tell people is you could always tell a person who has character is to look at their emotional health. Some of you heard of emotional intelligence. Can I see your hands if you heard of emotional intelligence? That's a new thing now in corporations and companies. They talk about emotional intelligence. Is to be able to know how you're feeling and to be describing it. If you're not high on this emotional intelligence, and even your emotional erraticness is just going up and down, pretty much what that means is you are immature. Now, I'm not trying to be condescending to any of you, but this is just a fact. You are still developing as a person, and when you get into a relationship with someone who is immature in their character, it's gonna it's gonna come back to haunt you. And in fact, it's not a good measurement if this person is the right person for you. I remember when I was uh, younger, uh, I was in a relationship with this one girl, and uh, pretty much my parents did not approve. So, if some of you were saying, "Would you be in a relationship?" If parents, uh, you know, didn't approve. My high school, I would have been like, yes, I will still be in it. But now, with a little bit more wisdom, I realize that I lean a little bit more towards, they don't have to be totally excited about it, but did you gain their, at least their blessing? And because there's, because no one was perfect for my mom's first son. I could have brought home Miss Korea and she would have found something wrong with her. So, I'm very aware that a lot of times when you think about families and those situations, it's important. So this girl that I went with, my parents did not approve. And so one night I was talking to her on the phone. (laughs) We did not have cell phones back then. So, you know, the court phone. And so here I'm talking to her on the bed, just talking to her. And then my mom comes in and she goes, "Who, who are you talking to? And I'm just like, no one. You know, I'm, I'm like, no one, you know. But I knew who I was talking to. And then she goes, this is that girl. And she took the phone off and she just hung up. And I was about, what, 16 years old? And I was so furious that I literally just got out of my bed and I decided I'm going to run away from home. And that's what I did. And I, I lived in Chicago where the weather is very, very cold during the winter time, uh, minus like, five degrees uh, Fahrenheit, and it gets cold. And the dumb thing about me was I just grabbed whatever was there, which was a light jacket, and I went outside in a very cold weather. And after, like, literally 30 seconds, I'm like, oh, shoot, this is not a good idea because it was cold. But I just started out. I, I was so angry. And I, I remember my mom, like, in shock. My dad, like, what's going on? That they decided to get in their car and just try to find me. Like, those Korean dramas. And so here I am and walking and I'm like, where am I walking? Where should I go? And so the girl that I was going out with, she lives about like 10, 15 uh, minutes away by car. So that's going to be another like almost an hour, 45 minutes to an hour walking. So I'm like, I'm going to just walk over to her house. And so as I was walking, I saw my parents' car. So I would be hiding behind a tree (laughs) so that they won't catch me. But as I was walking, I came to the realization, like, would her parents let me in? I mean, it was crazy, so I realized it was a losing battle, so I said, I'm going to turn back. So I went back, and then my dad simply said, come with me. And I, I don't want to go. Get in the car. And my dad is usually really a mild manner guy, but when he gets really upset, it's like he's serious. So I got in this car, got in his car, and we were driving. He did not say a single word. And those of you who know a little bit of geography, where Chicago is, the it's in the state of Illinois, and right above Illinois is Wisconsin, where it's farms, cows, just boonie, you know, boondocks. Talk to Erica. Anyway, yeah. and so it's, it's, it's really isolated desert land. Uh, but it's not, a de- it's not a desert, but it's just very flat. Anyway, as we're driving... He didn't say anything, and I knew we were going on this highway that goes all the way to Wisconsin, all the way to Minnesota, all the way up to Canada, and he was just driving. And so thoughts came through my mind. He's gonna take me to one of those fields. He's gonna make me get on my knees. And he's gonna kill me. (laughs) Just leave me there. Like crazy thoughts were going through my mind. And so I'm just, I'm, now I'm frightened. My dad, not saying anything, he's driving up, and I'm like, this is Wisconsin road, this is going all the way toward Minnesota, what's going on? So we got into Wisconsin, we got towards that border, and they have this thing called an oasis, which is right above the highway where you have like different uh, restaurants and stuff, and he pulled in, And then there's a place called Wendy's, I don't know if you know Wendy's, it's like a hamburger place. And he pulled it, and he goes, order something. I go, I don't want to order it. He goes, order something. Oh, can I get a double cheese, you know, uh, a cheeseburger? And, and I ordered fries and drinks. And so we sat down. And here we are. I think it might have been at least midnight. A 16-year-old. And as I'm ordering and then he's making me eat, he begins to share, share with me using the salt and pepper shaker. And he pulls the salt, and he goes, this is you in junior high or even in high school. Is it you're a young kid. He goes, this is the kind of girl you like. But there will come a time when you get older. And he pulls out the pepper shaker. And he goes, and the person, type of person you like will be different. I didn't know what to say. (laughs) It's like pepper and salt shaker. And in that moment, I realized now, but in that moment, I'm like, what is he talking about? But I think what he was trying to help me to see is this. Because of my immaturity. Because I'm still young, 16 years old. What I think that I want is not really what I want. Or what I think that I don't want might really be the thing that I want as I mature. Why am I sharing this story? Because part of character is to be able to look at somebody and look at their maturity level. And one of the best ways to look at their emotional intelligence. Do they have the character and exhibited through their emotions are they erratic are they now please don't misunderstand me you can get emotional you could get angry but once again those things shows a character flaw some of you will just dis, just disregard the guy's temper oh he just gets angry but once you get married that anger turns into physical abuse verbal abuse In the same way that maybe that girl is just always going crazy all the time. And it's a control issue. And like, oh, that's just her. But then you get married and you realize she's controlling you. She's controlling your kids. And this is why it's going to have a lot of reverberation. That's why you got to look for this. Another thing you should look for is to talk about character. Is their spiritual character? Are they becoming more like Jesus Christ? Displaying the fruit of the spirit. The third one is volitional, is that the decisions that they make, the volition of the will is decisions you make regardless of how hard it is or how difficult it is. Do they give up easily? Are they really committed? Are they willing to stick it through? Those are important things. So you got to look at these things in their character. I would practically encourage you to write down some traits and some values that you have that you want to see in your future spouse. And instead of saying, okay, Lord, who who has all these traits? I want to encourage you to become that person. Huh? I want someone who's kind, who's loving, who's patient. Write those things down and then become that person. Because whatever those traits that you're looking for, I bet you those are the traits that exemplifies who Christ is, which is the ultimate character that we want to follow after. Listen to what uh, Dr. Neil Clark Warren said again. He says this, personality or behavioral problems will not vanish when you get married. Can I get a good amen to all the married couples here? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Pastor Bo is very convicted about that. Anyway, uh, we'll talk later, guys. Okay. (laughs) Personality or behavioral problems will not vanish when you get married. If there are qualities about the person's personality or behavior that you question, such as jealousy, temper, irresponsibility, dishonesty, or stubbornness, ask yourself if you are willing to spend the rest of your life Dealing with these problems. Obviously, if the person you are considering has a drug or drinking problem or trouble with sexual integrity, you should make absolute, you should be absolutely sure that he or she has worked through the problems well in advance of your marriage. So he's not, what he's trying to say is there are some problems that are pretty serious. And there are other things like anger, jealousy, which sometimes we all go through on a regular basis. But once again, is it controlling them? Because if you don't address it early, it's not going to go away when they get married. It's going to be there, and it's going to affect now you in a deeper and a personal way. The fourth question, do you have a common vision? Do you have a common vision? I've always uh, been asked why a common vision is so important to a, a good marriage. And I usually respond by asking a question back to that person. And it's simply this. Can a house be built on two separate blueprints or floor plans can a house be built on two separate floor plans and you know you cannot and i think this is the reason why i stress so much of making sure you have a common vision so in a common vision it affects two things first of all direction if you're going to start a life together which hopefully it starts in a relationship that leads to marriage and then you start your life together in in that covenant relationship with that person, then if you do not have a common vision, at least a direction. Now, you might not know all the specifics, but as long as the common vision, we're headed towards the same thing. That is what will strengthen a marriage. Like, for instance, if you find somebody and they are so obsessed with being rich and successful. That's their goal in life. And for you, it might be something else. Not really material things. And then you get into a relationship and you get married. And in many ways, you might be like, well, I enjoy this life. We have an apartment and we get a car. We have all this stuff. I enjoy what he's making in terms of his money. But then you realize that because that is his goal, then along with that comes a lot of other stuff. He might not be able to commit to certain things that you value. And this is the reason why you have to say, even though you're different in personality, do you have the same direction? Let me give you an example to help you to understand this. Uh, I've counseled through many different marriages as well as just kids who are part of a family that's very dysfunctional. And one of the things that I've seen and what was one of the most painful things that I've seen is that the wife... When they were single, she decided, okay, he's not a believer, but I I know that he's going to come to know Christ. So they end up getting married. And and it seems like he was open to it because he was coming out to church. He was open to just kind of hanging out with some of the church people. So she thought, okay, this is going to work. But as soon as they got married, what happened was he started saying, getting very controlling, you're not going to go to church anymore. Uh, you're not, you're not gonna do this. And so the very thing that she thought was happening, it got completely shattered. It's because the direction of life is completely different. And the pain and the heartaches listening to these stories, you're just like, you don't want that for anybody. Not only for your kids, you don't want that for anybody. Because it is that hard. Some of you, when we talk about direction in life, it might be in terms of career. It might be what you're doing. But what I will say is whatever it is, make sure that at least the direction is somewhat lined up. Now, I would even go as far as say even if the direction is not as godly, but as long as you're in that same direction, it can work. But of course, ultimately, it will be great if that direction lines up with the kingdom of God. But make sure that this is something that's important. The second thing is uh, decisions. The reason why having a common vision is important is because it's going to affect your decisions. When you come together as a married couple, the decisions you make are very important. And that is the reason why, as you are a single person, if you are a single person here, start writing down things that are of your values that you are not going to compromise in. Like, for instance, if some of you feel pretty convicted that you want to help support the church, whether you give up your time because you want to serve, or maybe giving up your resources, learning how to tithe and give some of that to the work of God. If that decision and that direction is not lined up with that other person, you could see why it leads to so many different heartaches. That's why practice it now. Look for people who value these things and have the common vision and common direction, and that's how you're going to keep on growing. So I want to even challenge us right now. To think about, like, how are you living your life? Like, are you a generous person with your time with people? Are you generous with even your resources, your money to bless other people? To give to the church? Are you, are, you, are you generous in your heart? Because if you find another person who's generous and believes in giving and helping people, then that direction is similar, and that is what helps to have a good marriage. But if that person is stingy but you're generous, you're heading in a different direction. And that's why you got to look for these things as you're looking in a relationship. Number five is have you sought out counsel? Have you sought out counsel? Now, there's something powerful about getting counsel. Or if you want to put in another term, advice. But the problem is that many of us do not get counsel when it comes to the most important decision. Next to receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. A lot of people have a hard time getting counsel. I think this is kind of symptomatic of our culture because our culture, first of all, it promotes independence. So it's all about us, it's all about my decision. And what we forget is not really because your decision will affect a lot of other people. Now, I am not advocating the other extreme where you can't make any decision without your parents. Then you're still being like a little kid. You gotta grow up. And so part of learning to grow up and be mature is you gotta be able to make your own decisions. Even though you consider your family, consider all these other factors, but ultimately you're making your decision. But you also, a part of maturity is saying, okay, I need, I need to be the one making the decision, but how does it play out in different relationships that I have? So that's something that I think we have to be honest with, that we, we just live in a culture where it's all about independence. But independence that's self-centered is not a good independence. It will always lead to emptiness. It will always lead to heartaches. Another thing as a symptomatic problem in our culture today is that our culture has no role models. I think this is the saddest part. The reason why we don't seek counsel is because we don't have people that's a little bit ahead of us and that we respect and that we're willing to follow after. And we operate in a very peer-to-peer world. And I, can I just advise you in this way? This is just, this is just wisdom just something that you could just kind of listen and receive, or receive, or you don't have to receive it. But all I'm saying is this. When you get advice from your peers, sometimes that is not the best advice. So here you are, uh about thinking about entering into a relationship, and then you're talking to your friend who's not in a relationship. Hey man, what do you think? Do you think I should go for her? He's going to be like, yeah man, go for it. Because he has no clue. Or, People like, no, I don't think you should go for it. Yeah, I don't think she's that good for you. I, yeah, I, I don't see that match. Because he's interested in her. You, you know how it goes, right? <laughs> so th- this peer counseling, pure whatever, it rarely works. I mean, it could encourage you or they could pray for you. But it rarely works in terms of giving you good counsel for the long haul. So one of the things that I try to encourage people is counsel and advice are, are so very important. That you should find people who are a little bit ahead of you. So they are in a relationship, or they are married, or they're married and their kids are all off to college. So they've gone through a whole series of seasons of life that they can give you wisdom and download that into your life. Listen to some of these Bible passages. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, in the message translation, it says this refuse, excuse me here, um, refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. This is a biblical principle. If you're just trying to do things on your own without any counsel, a lot of times it doesn't work very well. But when you get good advice, good counsel, then it says here the plans will succeed. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18, it says this. um, Form your purpose by asking for counsel, then carry it out using all the help you can get. So when you are trying to get a purpose in life, Do it by getting other people to speak into it, especially when it comes to relationships, because they can help you. They can help you to see that, make this relationship more intentional. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 8, it says this, he who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who cherishes understanding prospers. So once again, seeking the wisdom of other people, it shows that it is good for you and that you want the best. Question number six, we have two more here. Are you actively involved in community? Are you actively involved in community? Th- these are the questions you got to ask yourself before you get into a relationship or if you're in a relationship to help evaluate your relationship. The reason why we should have a strong community, uh, be involved in this relationship, I always tell people it's really for your protection. So are you involved in community means that you are now no longer just living for yourself or you're on your own, but there are other people. And those of us who are believers, we talk about being brothers and sisters in Christ. So we have other people who love us, who care for us, who want the best for us. And so these are some of the reasons. First of all, there's better accountability. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens one another. Like, sometimes, how many of you have heard of, like, love is blind? You know what I'm talking about. And you talked a lot of neuroscience. I was a psychology major. You talked a lot of neuropsychologists. One of the things that they will say is this. They will say, it's not literally blinding, but it does affect your judgment. Do you know why? Because when you are, quote, unquote, in love, you release a lot of different hormones. Serotonin, just endorphins, all this chemicals that goes into your body. And you're like, oh. He is amazing. He could be the rudest person burping all over and releasing things. And you're like, amazing. Um, And you're like, huh? Because we get blinded because all we see is the things that we like, but we don't see these other traits. That's why when you are in a community and that person is also with you in a community, other people can see things that you might not be able to see. That's why accountability is so important to starting off a relation, having a relationship, to have other people involved in that. That's why get involved in a community. Another reason is there's a better assessment. So not only is there better accountability, but when you're in community, there's a better assessment. There are a lot of things you don't see, but other people see. And if you have ever been in a relationship and you have people who care for you and they said, are you sure this is the one? <laughs> like, does he really say that to you? Is, is that is that how you want to live your life? Or, oh, my God, did she, did she just do that? Like, can you live with that for the rest of your life? Like, it helps you to kind of think through because, okay, here's some things that I see, but I'm not processing well. But here's some people who are helping me. So there's better assessment. Also, there's better authenticity. Sometimes when people are in relationships, they act weird. Amen? They act really weird. And having people around you who know you will help you to be very honest and open. And so part of being authentic is being who you are and not being true to yourself. Now, don't raise your hand. How many of you have seen some people get into a relationship and it seems like you don't know who they are anymore? Right? So what happens is they're changing their values. They're changing those core things that you know about them. So it's important to learn how to be more authentic as you're in accountable relationships. And lastly, the question that you have to ask is how is your commitment to Christ? So not only for yourself, but also even that person. C.S. Lewis, uh, a famous writer and philosopher, listen to what he says. When I have learned to love God better than all my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. Insofar as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense, expense of God and instead of God, I shall be moving towards the state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed but increased. Now some of you re- reading that you're like, that makes no sense. What? So let me summarize. What C.S. Lewis is simply saying is this. If your greatest love is God, Because he's greater than anyone else in this whole wide world. The more you're able to love God and Jesus Christ, that the person that you love here on this earth, it doesn't mean that you love them less. In fact, you'll love them even more. Because God is infinite. And infinite in his love. And as you experience more of it, you're going to be able to love that flawed and sinful person that much more. That's why there's something beautiful about learning how to Love Christ, pursue after God, and to be able to then love people around you. Some of you might have heard this before, but I use this quite often to help people to uh, understand. Let me, uh, i got to use my hands, so I'm going to put this down for a second. Um, I always tell people, look at it as a triangle. And up here is the apex of the triangle, the highest point. And on the base, you have you and that person. And a lot of times we're trying to get close. And the way we try to get close is by approaching this way. But as you know, if the triangle is this big, no matter how much you try on your own, it's not going to work. But the more you go to the apex, which is God, the more you grow in your relation with God, the closer you will become. Does that make sense? And that's the fact that I've tried to encourage a lot of people who are believers. Grow in your relationship with Christ. Allow that person to grow in their relationship with Christ. And then as you grow together, then you will eventually get closer together because your commitment to Christ is supreme above all other else. So now the question is this. What are some practical things for singles? And then I'll address those of you in relationships. But let me first address the singles. Four quick things. Number one, stay positive. (laughs) You have to safeguard yourself from bad attitudes. It's amazing how Satan plays with our minds. All of a sudden, all your friends are starting to get into a You're like, oh my God, what's wrong with me, right? What's wrong with me? Oh, am, am I not lovable? All these weird thoughts go through your mind. And that's Satan trying to discourage you, sp- speaking lies to you. So you got to learn how to stay positive. I think you have to make sure that whatever thoughts you have, is it biblical? Is it from God? Is it from Satan? Uh, there. There are some questions that singles uh, struggle with and how Satan uses it. So once again, is there something wrong with me? Are my past mistakes hindering me from not getting married? Um, another one is, I feel like I've been content with God for so long, but why is it that still nothing's happening? So this is where you get discouraged. This is where you're like, man, it's hopeless. Man, it sucks. Like, then you start getting bitter. You start getting bitter at people. Like, ladies, you're gonna be like, what's wrong with these guys? They're so passive. Huh. And you're like, really angry, you know? And then, guys, like, man, all these girls, you know? But then, you gotta work on your character, right? And so, like, and then we get angry at God. God, I've served you. I did all this stuff, and why aren't you providing? And so, stay positive as you stay rooted in the word. I think that's gonna be very important. Um, the second thing is stay proactive. Mm hmm. <laughs> Listen, how many of you have heard of FBC? FBC is familiarity breeds contempt. That means that when you are around someone for a long time, because you're so familiar, you're like, eh, nah. So I'm saying be open, because a person that you might marry and it's good for you might be sitting around you and you just don't know. Don't let familiar things breed contempt. Another thing is be proactive and don't just kind of wait there, but be open to setups. Can I, can I get a good answer? How many of you are open to setups? Okay, okay, all right. Okay, this is good, this is good news. Talk to me later. Give me your profile. I have a data bank of different profile I'm looking at. I'm like, okay, Lord. So if my pastor thing doesn't work out, I might have to get into the relationship setting up thing, you know? Um, <laughs> just be open. I know some people who are like, oh, gosh, I don't want to do the online. But maybe that will, and I know some couples who actually got married on the online, e harmony, all these other stuff. I don't know about Tinder, but anyway, like all these uh, different things. But it helps you to find people that maybe right now, the pool of people you know is small, but when you go online, there might be a lot of other people that might be a good match for you. So be open, be proactive, uh, getting to know people. Uh, the third is stay pure. I think in the single adult culture, especially living in a global city like Hong Kong, there's so many temptation, and I think it's so hard to stay pure. And it's not staying pure for the sake of just trying to be this holy, righteous person. But we stay pure because we realize that we're not going to just give our hearts over and over again to just anybody. But we want to be able to say, I'm going to reserve it and give it to that person that I know that God has for me. That's why even in the Bible, it talks about in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. I've seen so many people on a good track and growing in their relation with God. They get into a relationship, and this just completely goes in a different direction. So guard your heart. Because even as you're dating, you're not sure if you're going to marry that person. And so I think you just got to be careful as you proceed. So let's try to stay pure. And then number four is stay prepared. Use this time right now as a single person to grow, enjoy your singleness. Something like, I have enjoyed it for a little bit. I don't like it anymore. But you're going to be the same person once you get married. Like, I miss my single life. That That's going to be you. So... Stop, keep on thinking about, oh, the grass is g- greener on the other side. Like, enjoy this life now. Like, I can't sleep, over sleepovers, right? I know some of you are like, sleepovers. That was like high school. But I remember when I was in college, I could just kind of hang out with these guys. Or even as a single adult, just kind of going out, playing basketball. i like, where are you? I, I don't get those kind of texts, you know? And you could just enjoy your singleness. Do things that you wanted to do. Like, this is the best time. Not when you have, like, three kids crying and you're like, oh, my God, take me away. But right now, enjoy the time that you have. This is one of the best times. So stay prepared. Keep on growing. This is another good opportunity to grow in your traits of character. Get involved in the church. Serve. Serve people. Some of you have... uh, LCG, which is life changer, is accountability groups that we have. Some of you are part of that. Keep on doing that because you're going to develop skills that you need to be in a relationship with your future spouse. Learning how to serve, learning how to do things, even when you don't feel like it. Those are all training grounds for what you're going to have to experience. Like, I did not like changing diapers, especially with the boys, because, you know, things started spraying all over the place. But I mean, these are things that you just have to be ready for. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I don't like to take out the garbage, but that's part of my But there, there are a lot of things I don't like. <laughs> but I do it because I know that's part of the commitment that I've made. So if you can learn some of these traits now, learning to love people, learning how to serve people, it really helps as you get married. Now, can I quickly speak to those of you who are in a relationship, whether you're starting off? I want to give you a couple things to think about. First of all, be intentional don't just hang out. Oh, it's just nice to have somebody that you can kind of depend on or go to after work. Like, Be purposeful in your time together. This is the time where you're saying, okay, am I going to be able to marry this person? Or is this just a little hangout time? So be more purposeful in how you do it. So be intentional. Like, if we're going to go out, why are we going out? Why are we doing this? Are we going to go to a park? Why are we going to... I mean, some of you are like, oh my God. Because we just want to go to a park, you know? So Don't take it to the other extreme. But everything that you do in your relation, be intentional. There has to be a purpose behind it. That will help you to gauge if that person, which leads me to the second thing is be informed. Get to know that person as best as you can in all different contexts. Because you're going to spend the rest of your life with them. So if there's anything you want to find out, find out now. As best as you can. So if you love children, find out if he likes children. Because if he doesn't, you're going to have a problem later on. And this is just kind of more of my own uh, sharing of my own weakness is that my wife, she has such a heart for orphans. And I remember when we were, quote, unquote, dating, she goes, are you open to adoption? And I said, I guess so. There's something in the Bible of orphans and all that, so I, I guess so. And then I twisted it and I said, well, let's first, Let's first have our own and then see. Brothers, don't ever say that because you're going to get in trouble. So my wife, thinking he's open, we'll first have our kids and then we could adopt. And so she waited for years. And then there was an opportunity for the possibility of us adopting. And for whatever reason, in that moment, in that stage of my life, I just could not. And so through that experience, uh, I realized how deeply I hurt my wife because she always valued this so much. And you know what she will say sometimes? I mean, first it was joking, but now I realize like, she was so hurt from this. She goes, if I knew that you would never want to adopt, I don't even know if I would have considered you i like, dang. That's when she drops a mic and goes home, you know? And so these are things that I had to process. And, of course, things like selfishness, and I'm like, I raised my, or we raised our three kids. I don't want to go through it all over again. It's going to be, so I'm always thinking about myself in that time, and I just realized that these are the times when you're single to find out some of those things that you value. Be informed. Do they value that? If you, if you believe that you want to marry someone who can spiritually lead you, ladies, who could who could be the, the head of the home, lead your family well, then look around you now. As you're in this relationship with this person, are they leading other men? Are they taking initiatives? Are they people that you can respect? Because if they're not, then it's going to be very difficult just because you get married and you think they're going to automatically do it. They won't. This is the reason why you've got to be informed. Learn as much as you can as you are in this relationship. The third thing is be involved. Make sure that you are actively still involved in church, in community. I think couples tend to be really exclusive and reclusive. They they get to themselves. But this is the opportunity for you to be able to bless other people, which is the last thing is be inspirational learn to bless people, inspire people, that you're doing your relationship differently from all these other people. And so people are like, wow, like I see your relationship. It's really Christ-centered. Like what's what's your secret? What, what is it about? And that's where I think you're going to be able to bless other people. So with that said, uh, we am going to go ahead and do go into some Q&A. And hopefully this will be a time and I'm going to have, I think it's Leon. Leon's going to help facilitate. And like I said, there's a lot of stuff I didn't mention. There's a lot more stuff that I could have shared, uh, but maybe for another time. And if some of you want to make an appointment with me or Pastor Bo or any of the leaders, you're more than welcome to. But let me just say from as more of a concluding remark is that I really hope that in our church and through our church, that we have a lot of great marriages because in every society, when the family is broken down, the society goes awry. So what we need is really good relationships and strong biblical marriages to make a society stronger. That's how Hong Kong is going to be transformed. Look at some of you who grew up in families. Your father was not even present. Some of you have gone through a lot of struggles with your family. And that's why there's a breakdown in our society. Like some of you are like, I'm not going to be different. No, listen, this is someone who's from the other side. You're going to be just like your parents believe it or not I know it's hard to accept it hard to believe it because you hated your dad you hated your mom you're gonna I'm gonna be different but you're trying to defy the power of example which you see it all over the world and the only way you're going to break it is that if your relationship with God is reconciled and so I want to challenge us to really think about this is that we are capable of repeating the same cycle. But the only way to break the cycle is that we commit our lives to Jesus Christ and we say, God, this is marriage is your idea and we want to do things differently. And I pray that you will. Okay? Amen. All right, Leon.
2: Yeah, so uh thank you Pastor Seth for sharing. And I think can we give him a round of applause for just sharing so vulnerably and honestly too? And so now we're actually gonna invite out some of the couples or people that are in relationships to come up and share a bit of their story. Please also use this time to uh, enter into your questions into the QR code. We want to set a good amount of time for us to be able to go through this Q&A because we know that a lot of us have different questions, and I think these people will be very helpful in answering it just because they've been through it too, and they are also going through it right now. As we're going to set five chairs, uh, can I invite up uh, Erica, Peebo, Vivian, and Agnes? Can we give them a round of applause as they come up? And so I know it's a bit hard for to see when they're sitting. So when they share, uh, can you guys stand up whenever you share? But then you can go back to sitting because I know it might be tiring to stand for that long. We we'll also have a chair for people to come up and also to sit when uh, we have the Q&A. Because I know some of you have questions. Some of it relates to theology. Some of it's more practical. So send in your questions to the QR code, and then we'll be filtering through them and uh, being able to try to answer most of those. But we'll start by having them share their story.
3: Stand. okay. Hi. Okay. Hi. Um... My name is Bo, and I'm a pastor here at uh, HMCC, and also it's my wife, Erica. And uh, we, uh, I, I guess, just share a little bit of how we got together and um, just some of our background. Um, yeah, That's a photo <laughs> from our wedding. And uh, we both went to University of Michigan. I was actually, she's called two years older than I am, but three grades older. So when I was a first year in university, she was a senior, uh, fourth year already. So uh, I think... <laughs> <laughs> Be open, if, uh, be open. Age is just a number. <laughs> so if it, <laughs> so, so if it was like that time, I don't think it would have worked out, but, uh, we didn't start dating until I was 27, 28 or something like that, and then, uh, we got to know each other better in Hong Kong when we came here in 2015, and I think it was just through serving. And through being part of our church plant team and also just having context in that group setting, that was really helpful for us to get to know each other. Um, not just in a one-on-one kind of context, but in a group context. I saw her break down multiple times. I saw her strengths. I saw, like, everything about her. And, um, and I, I think I just saw just a lot of different qualities and characteristics that I realized, you know what, this is someone I could really imagine myself spending the rest of my life with. And also there was, like Pastor Seth mentioned, there was one of those, um, I think there was some reason why we just ended up having dinner after there was some kind of ministry thing that we did. And it was one of those times where like you thought that only 30 minutes went by, but it was like three hours <laughs> that just went by. Um, and so I think after that, kind of throughout this whole process, um, I, 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 I sat through a lot of seminars like this as well and like I uh, got counsel from Pastor Seth. And I think because he know, he knew me and he also knew Erica. He knew both of our past histories and things like that counsel me and challenge me like are you sure and ask me a lot of hard questions but I'm thankful because it was really good in the sense where it really ha- forced me to understand like what is it that I really value what is it that I feel like uh, God wants me to go in the direction that I want to go in especially since uh, I wanted to become a pastor and so I think around 2017 or so then I approached her and then we got married I think year and a half after that into this past May last May 2019 and, uh, yeah, that was our wedding. So that's kind of just a brief introduction of, yeah, how we got together.
4: I think, I think each of us will share a little bit, maybe a couple different lessons or things that we've learned. I think for me, um, yeah, I started dating him when I was 30. And so that, he was actually my first boyfriend. And I think there was a lot of, yeah, well, now, we cheer now, but it wasn't that happy back then <laughs> being... Single for thirty years of my life. I mean, my goodness, my my friends were having like kids by then, and I think being on a church plant in a whole different country. I mean, it, I had miserable nights. You know, it, that's that's real. And I think a lot of like questioning God, like why, or feeling like God, did you like pass me, but. Pass me by, or um, just all these different doubts, and then even I mean there are a couple like opportunities in the past I could have like maybe taken on, but I think just being able to learn how to wait on God's timing and like not be so desperate or like wanting control. Like okay, I need a relationship now because all oh, my peers are in a relationship or feeling pressured by my parents who also that was their biggest concern, like more than career or like whatnot. I think they were literally getting anxious about me being single at such an, an, an older age. And so I think learning how to not conform to some of those expectations and learning really how to be content, I think that's something that I definitely struggled with and had to – and still, you know, it, it's not like marriage solves those things, but really being able to um, see that God is sovereign in those times. And I think for me, I really being able to, like – more than, like, trying to figure out methods of how I can find people or meet people, although those are good things. And I had to ask myself, like, hey, be open to online dating or, like, you know, setups and whatnot and die to your pride, you know? But, like, I think, like, just being able to just wait on God, I think that's one big lesson and like, learning how to let go of control and just really trusting that, like as I made decisions in faith that you know God is going to continue to provide, and I think I think the triangle thing, like there, there's illustrations where like keep running towards God, and then you're gonna to look to your left and see that other person, and you're gonna to run toward God together, and I you know it's like you laugh about it, but I think it really was true. I think for me, just learning how to okay, I be faithful, whatever God has called me to do in the, and I'm thankful that even back at 28, I was able to just make that decision to come to Hong Kong without feeling tied down or bound, and felt like yeah, this is my single time I can really use it to like serve God and and be wholly available to him so i think yeah i think in that in that sense it was um helpful for us to both develop more of that sense of calling and for me like yeah for him to like pastoral ministry didn't come until later on so i think just no giving that time was helpful so that i knew like what train i was getting on right like you know i I know the direction generally and 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 praying through that myself when i entered the relationship was
0: helpful as well hello it's so weird to stand here. I mean, yeah, my name is Vivian, and I just got married last month. Woo! Yeah. And then, <laughs> I mean, like, I, mean, I don't know what to share, but... um So Joshua, some of you guys know Joshua as well. So he's my husband, and he's working right now, so he cannot be here. So for us, we actually met in 2009 during our freshman year. And at that time, I was not a Christian, and he is, but I don't think he was really a Christian. But anyway, so he was like... <laughs> So at that time, we met, and so how we, so our story is really different from theirs, because how we started was not holy, so we started, it's like, because we were in the same group, friend group, and we did Truth or Dare, right, everyone did that, and I forgot, actually, it was so many years ago, so so basically, I, I forgot they dared me to kiss him, they dared him to kiss me, anyway, so after that, then he started liking me, so we, <laughs> I forgot about it. so, and then we just we flirted for, like, a few months. And afterwards, he was like, because he grew up in church, he was like, oh, because you're not a Christian, so I cannot really date you, so can you come, with, come to church with me, right? And after that, in 2010, June 3rd, I accepted Christ. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I refer that day as my day of salvation, but I don't think I really knew Christ. At that time, it has been a journey. Yeah, so this, so that was 2010, June 3rd. So this year, it will be my 10th year of being a Christian. Yeah. And, and then after that, we got together, and yeah, the rest is history. So it has been 10 years. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, I think one thing that I learned is, I mean, it was not an easy journey because I think we have very, very different family backgrounds. So for him, his fam his parents are both Christians, and I think he grew up, I mean, like, I think my family is really nice as well, but I think we have- for my family, my parents divorced when I was super young. And everyone in my family cheated, divorced, I have affairs, whatever. This is my family. And my family had business, so that's why we bankrupted a couple of times. It's like roller coaster in my family. So I think for us, we have very different values in life. I would say in the beginning, we have very different perspectives in life. But I think throughout the whole journey, I think he has been like an anchor for me, just like my spiritual anchor always reminding me to follow Christ and all these. And I think community really helps us well. We joined HMCC of Ann Arbor in 2011. Yeah, one year after we started dating, and I think the community really helped us to grow. And I think because we serve together, we have the same spiritual foundation. And I think it really like just drove us into this point. And throughout the whole time, I think we actually broke up—not really broke up, but we took breaks a couple of times to really pray about whether we are supposed to be together. And I think now it's like, yeah, the answer is obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
5: Hi, I'm Agnes, and, and I'm recently engaged, and my, and, um, yeah, so, uh, my, his name is Sinke, and he's uh, at HMCC in Ann Arbor right now, so, uh, we have been in long distance for the past five years, and actually, how we started, it was a pretty, like, messy startup, and I think back then, like, I was studying in Michigan, and I was working, and then that year, I know that, well, I've always known him, so Vivian and I were in the same, like, uh, community, and we were also part of, like, international students, like, a ministry called Global Access back then. So I know of Senke, like, all these years, but then we're never in the same group, so I just saw him as a photographer, and like, I've heard things about him, but I'm, I'm just like, I don't have any good feelings towards him, if anything, it's the other way around. <laughs> Um, and it's not until the very last year like uh, we we're in the same life group so we started to get to know each other more and that that's how and that was also the year where i decided that i will be back in hong kong and um so towards the very end of that life group cycle so uh so our life group for those who are not part of our church um our life group usually start from september till like around like april ish and i'm not a u.s citizen so my Visa back then actually will be expired in, like, February. But then I can have that 60-day or, like, 2 months grace period so that I can stay till the very end of um my life group cycle. And back then I was also, like, serving my life group as well. So he was part of the life group. I get to know him. And I was like, oh, like, he's actually a pretty, like, nice person. And I get to, you know, like, hear each other's, like, stories a little bit more. So at that time, like, we were, like – because he's from Malaysia and I'm from Hong Kong. So we also know that, like, if once I come back to Hong Kong, if – we're not in a relationship or anything else. I'm also, I'm usually the type of person where if you're a guy and you're not like too close to me or like I in general just don't talk to guys like in a very regular basis. So I think he is very aware of that too. So I think out of that, like, um, uh, we we're just, uh, it was a very rushed decision, but then in the end we we're like, oh, like, uh, like let's try it out and see. But I think to me, like ever since then, like, uh, till now, the beginning was very messy, but then I think through, the whole process, I learned a lot about like um, God's grace and also His restoration because uh, throughout the whole journey, um, I think it, it breaks a, p- a huge part of me too. Because back then, I didn't really seek like much counsel or like I didn't really like tell anyone about it. I think part of it is because how I like grow up, like is that I, I don't talk about relationship like this right now. Actually, it's my first time today to actually talk about relationship. I, I'm not comfortable with like sharing. Like I think in general with close people, I'm fine, but I don't usually talk about this. And my parents usually are disapproved of like me having a relationship so once i get into do that like i start feeling that oh like i have this reputation of like being very trustworthy but now it's like oh like my leaders think that i'm not trustworthy my friends are getting hurt and like and all that so to me i was like wow like it's breaking like the side of me but then throughout that process uh, a lot of grace was shown and then as i was talking out i think they care about like me and my relationship with god more than anything else so i think that was the beginning of how I know like got a lot more and then so shortly after that I like, came back to Hong Kong but I also know that like I will be back to Michigan again because my sister back then he was uh just graduating from um, high school in Florida and he she will be moving to Michigan that year so my mom and I will be like attending her graduation and like go there and for me practically to just get my visa so that I can go back again so we decided that okay like during these like few weeks like let's not talk like so we're gonna fast a little bit and see because a lot of it's really that emotion that there's an urge that we won't talk Talk anymore. We should, you know, uh, it seems like he's nice and he thinks that I'm nice, but there's a lot of just emotions. So we decided that this period of time would be a time of just like, okay, breaking and then we're not gonna talk. I think that time to me was really, really good because I realized that like, I'm not sinning against like men or sinning against like anything else, but I'm sinning against God because that was a period of time. Uh, the, I think the past half a month, like back then, like I was in a pr- pretty, like, spiritually, like, weak and low place, and that, like, I'm idolizing, like, people around me, like, the relationship around me, rather than seeking God Himself. So I think that time, like, there's a lot of, like, moments where I was reminded of, like, the passage of, like, just, you know, like, Psalms, like, Psalm about, like, creating in me a new heart, and that is from, like, David and Bathsheba's story, and that, yes, David sinned, but then there's consequence to sin, but that's not a punishment, but in, in, instead, like, it's like a purification to it. So I think to me, like, it's really, like, a good time to get to know, like, God a lot more before, like, we go back and then we start to, you know, be in a relationship and continue. But it was really hard because the, the entire time, like, it was a long distance relationship. And then many, many times I would be thinking that, oh, like, is this supposed to be with, The way like it is like there's we don't have much like you know contacts, and are we really growing together i think i have a lot of doubts in that too but then in communities that was something that both of us are really blessed even though we're not physically together but then i have hmcc here because i come back the year when the church plan team came back so i think that was really helpful for me and also for him he continues to be a part of hmcc ann arbor so i think this community really helped us solidify like our identity and also like our worth in god and that brings us together so yeah we're recently engaged
2: yeah, so now we want to enter into a time of just q a so you guys have submitted your questions and we'll be shooting them up one at a time uh so we'll just leave the floor open whoever feels more comfortable or feels more compelled to share in terms of this i think some of these kind of interweave with the story that you guys were sharing too so that'd be kind of great to hear from you guys more directly uh so the first question that we want to approach is how to pray for your future spouse so This is Agnes, you have a mic, and you kind of mentioned it. Could you touch on that a bit?
5: Um, I think... Right now, like as I'm engaged to, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm like the kind of person where I need to get things done or like I need to know certain things. I think that's a part that I need to grow in. But sometimes I'll wonder like how is he with God and how is he like in terms of like serving too. But I think in the end, I'm realizing that it's really not about me trying to change him. But all I can do is really just pray for him. I think one thing that I really want to pray for him is that uh, he will continue to, you know, seek God first beyond everything else. And that I think not above like seeking God, but then... Um, also praying for like our relationship in terms of our direction and all that. So I think in general, like, I just want to pray for him in this way.
3: Um, okay. Um, pray for a long time. <laughs> I, I think, I'm just sharing honestly, like, um, uh, Pastor, because he's been involved in my life for quite a long time, and he knows some of my history. Like, I have this syndrome called um, proximity syndrome. Where, like, it's, it's really easy uh, just as you know someone in, in context and, like, you just spend a lot of time together. Easy just because you spend a lot of time with that person. You're like, oh, maybe I like this person. Or maybe, like, I could see myself with this person. And so I think I had to wrestle through a lot of that. And um, I think in particular when I was praying for Erica, um, I think I just really had to guard my – I think it was a really confusing time because I don't I, – I said – I, I told God, like, I don't know if these feelings that I have, is it really, like, this is really what I feel like God wants me to move forward with? Or is this another one of those proximity things? Like, I don't know why I'm thinking, like, proximity mind. And, like, you know, if you get too close, it's not going to be good. So um I, I think for me what made me feel like, okay, this is a little bit different as I was praying. I mean, number one, just spending time in prayer, um, which I realized, like, I could say all that I want that I'm praying, but the amount of time that I actually spend time praying for that particular person or this whole thing is actually quite little. Um, so in some, in many ways, I just lied to myself um, in the past where I said oh, I was praying for it. But when I actually sat down, sat down to pray, I think the thing that made me feel more confident or that this is the direction that God God was kind of leading me, I think number one was uh, when we weren't in proximity context. So there was a time where Erica actually uh, this is so we were serving together and there was a like a whole month where she actually went back to visit family in the US and i think it was during that time when i prayed for her um that I, I think my prayers actually increased um and i think that one that was one significant time moment where i felt like okay maybe it's not so much just the proximity context that kind of draws me to her and i think second thing i was just praying about was um like is this someone that i can I would actually want to see them built up toward Christ, to be more like Christ. And, and, and not so much just about myself, not just so much about my wants or my desires or if they match me, but could I actually see myself really enjoying helping her to become more like Christ? And I think the more I prayed, the more confident I felt about that. And that was something that made me feel like, okay, maybe this is actually a good direction for me, not just because of what I want, but maybe it's something that God wants me to proceed in so I mean it was a lot of I mean it's not like black and white. It wasn't like bingo like this is, you know, hundred percent answer. But I think as I was praying more and more, it just got stronger and stronger in that confidence level. And then I think as I, you know, I, I think one thing that's really helpful about counsel is, you know, I would talk with Pastor Seth and just share different things that I was feeling. And then, you know, knowing Pastor Seth he's very direct and very uh you know challenging. And so I think he would ask me a lot of hard questions, you know, like, is it because of this? And he questioned my motives and things like that. And I think because I had prayed and I think that feeling was getting stronger and stronger, I was able to still say, you know what, like, regardless and everything that you're asking me, I still feel strongly in this kind of way. So that's kind of how yeah, mine was.
2: Uh, this next question that we want to ask is a bit more practical. Uh, how can a woman show interest in a man when men are supposed to be the ones pursuing? Mm. So can we have one of the sisters answer?
4: So I mean yeah we would serve together and have different contexts and so like Annie she's a witness like we would have to like set up like communion we would we would prepare for communion on Sunday mornings and then you know I think I like laughed a little bit you know more than usual <laughs> or like you know if his jokes aren't that funny but you know I just kind of give him a little boost. Um.
3: As long as I'm funny to her that's all that matters.
4: Right? So I think just. <laughs> So I think just, you know, showing those kind of cues. But, I mean, it's hard too, right? Because it's like you don't know if that girl's just like – I mean, it's not like I don't laugh at other people. Like, Grady could be funny and I, like, laugh just as much. So it's kind of like – but then I think for us too, I think, like, we would have a lot of, like, ministry things to talk about and, like, we would discuss or, like, different things. But then I think also it started getting a little bit more, like, personal. There's more personal questions or, like, conversations that seem like, okay, this is, like, a little bit beyond, like – you know, just our ministry responsibilities. And so I think just being able to be receptive and kind of like, you know, show some level of initiation where you're not just like, okay, you know, just only when he asked, I think just those little things. But then, I mean, for me too, it's like, it was hard. I didn't know actually that he was interested. So I don't think he showed much (laughs) sign or emotion or hints. And so I think like, I mean, I think just, yeah, those kinds of more like, you know, like different moments of showing that interest, I think works for me at least.
5: I think Erica's approach is usually like my approach too,
0: <laughs>
5: but I think like uh, it works two, two out of two. Because <laughs> I don't usually. Well, no, no, not just laugh. But I think like um, I do agree that like if we're interested in someone, like I think putting in the context and that uh, observing. I think usually I will observe like the guys, and then if if they're pretty good, then uh, I'll try to you know, just be more available. So I think, but not in like a shady way, trying. Right? So I think when I realized that I started maybe like having interest in like Sinket, I think what we do is like, like maybe in our core, like meeting times, like that we'll start sharing a little bit and then maybe afterwards we'll continue maybe in like an afternoon cafe and then we'll hear him out a little bit more. So I think that's how we developed in that sense, that being more available.
2: Thank you. Uh, so that's from the sister side. I think we have a question that's more from the brother side. Uh, yeah. Oh, how to be nice to sisters in Christ and not give out the wrong signal. AKA, how to set boundaries.
1: <laughs> okay, so you don't like her, right? I'm guessing. Is that the question? Yes. Or you do like her? Or you don't have, you're ambivalent towards her. Okay, you ambivalent. Like her, you you nice, sure, sure. Open. I always tell guys be consistent. Because what happens is that if you are inconsistent, that's where girls take things in the wrong way or they get hurt. So a lot of times I would challenge sisters with that. uh, A girl will come up to me uh, and say, I really like him. I think he likes me too. And I'm like, "Okay, how do you know that? Well, he's like, you know, gives me attention. He asks me questions. Does he do that with other girls too? Oh, yeah, he does. Then, you know, you might have to kind of pull back. But sometimes some guys, and please, don't misunderstand this, but guys, the way God created us is that we are to pursue. And so if we are interested, we will lock and load, and we will pursue. We will chase. I know some guys don't like running much, so you know they might not chase as hard, but that's something that could be developed as we grow in our manhood. But I will definitely say we are created. So like that's a little sign maybe to also encourage you, sisters. You will know if someone is interested, is because – they are pursuing. So they're all like, you know, hey, how are things going? <laughs> or to follow up on another conversation. And so he's pursuing. So if you are interested, then like as these sisters were sharing, just kind of be receptive. I think that's helpful. That's how you give each other cues that you might be interested. And so if that guy is doing it to you as well as all the other sisters, then I would say it's just who he is. And which that means as brothers, if you know that you are created to pursue – And you are pursuing after somebody, and you don't let your intentions be known, that's where girls get hurt. But if you are very direct, and I'm telling you right now, you could ask any of these sisters privately, or if I could even ask now, like how many you uh, appreciate guys who are very honest and tell you upfront, you know? And because they know why you're doing what you're doing, and you're honoring them. You know, I am interested in you, I would like to get to know you more. So it's kind of like that DTR, where as you're building friendship, you get to define the relationship. Where is this going to go? And so I think instead of dragging that, and so sorry, guys, I'm going to just give us all our playbook. But anyway, ladies, the problem with a lot of the guys, and I'm putting myself in here, is that we have choices. And sometimes we're not sure. So there might be two or three girls that we like or we're interested in. And so we'll actually pursue all of them in different ways. I know we're dogs or pigs, whatever you want to call us. that's what we are. but that's why ladies, I always tell you to just if just guard your heart and if this person is somebody you are somewhat interested in and there is a connection, then I believe that he's gonna slowly put away those other two and pursue only after you. And so I would say, brothers, we got to be consistent in how we treat the girls. So if you're nice to this one person because you're sort of interested, be nice to everybody, right? Or if you're doing that, then maybe don't do that as much and just try to love people equally. And then when there is that interest, then I, I could say you could pursue after that person. But just be clear in your intentions. Can I get a good amen, ladies, right? It's helpful, right? Because some of you might have been in relationships or these shady ones where they're talking to you all the time. You're like, does he like me? Does he not? And it's so unsure. And you don't know if you should try to open up your heart or not, because you don't want to get hurt. Who wants to get hurt? And so I think to honor the sisters, I think it's so important for the brothers to be able to be direct. And for the ladies, just be careful because the way guys are wired up. We're looking around and we might be interested in one person one month or one week and then someone else and then we're gonna slowly start narrowing down to that one person. K eleven, the one sister? <laughs>
2: From a sister, I think it's helpful yeah. to hear from a woman's perspective, too, yeah. about this. Like, sorry, can you rephrase? like, <laughs> Just, like, from your perspective, like, how, how can a guy be nice? <clears throat> how can a brother be nice but not give you the wrong signal? Not make you feel like, oh, is he pursuing me? Where where does that, I guess, where does it elicit those kind of thoughts for you?
4: Maybe, like, individual attention or, like, or like yeah, a lot of those, like, side um, efforts that are beyond maybe group context. Maybe that, that would be one. I'm trying to think.
3: Um, i think i i for me when i look at this question i think there's like a sub question it's kind of like how can i be as m- nice to as many girls as possible so that i can kind of like what Pisa said like keep your options open um i think just i can share that honestly because i feel like yeah i've been through that you know like Guys, even though we feel like, oh, yeah, we're just trying to be nice, really there's a sub-motivation there to say, how can I keep my options open as much as possible? So I I would say you have to really check your motivation, check your heart of, like, why are you trying to be nice to all these people? Not that you should be mean, right? Don't take it the opposite. Like, I'm going to be mean to every single person. That's not the point. But why is it that you're trying to be extra nice or accommodating to as many people as you possibly can? I I think that's number one. I think second thing is – I agree with what Pastor said in terms of being consistent, but even if you are doing your best to be consistent, not everyone can see that you're consistent, right? Like, especially if some of you are, like, WhatsApp maniacs and you WhatsApp people. Like, not everyone can read all of your WhatsApp messages. So the way that you're really nice to someone on WhatsApp individually, they're going to think that you're nice to them as an individual. They don't have no idea, like, the 10 other girls that you're being nice to over WhatsApp, you know? And I think... Um, yeah, just because you're trying to be consistent doesn't mean other people see that you're consistent. And I, w- I would say personally for me, like I don't think there's like one s- formula way. I think what people help me by confronting me <laughs> many times is they would just bring up stuff. So I think probably the most helpful thing is have a community of people around you and maybe some older people or mentors in your life that can maybe pr- uh, bring up or point things out. Like, hey, when you do these things, if you're not interested in that person, it, it might lead them on or it might give them wrong ideas. And because I'm very unaware and very, like, I think sometimes I, I, you know, sometimes I genuinely do things that are unwise or will give, like, sisters the wrong impression, then people had to talk to me and be like, hey, you should reconsider, like, how you act. Even though you're just genuinely being nice, like, it does cause certain things for certain people. So I think it was just helpful for, to have people confront me about those things.
4: I think also just like because we're all, I mean, many of us are in the same community. I feel like it's like if everyone just acted out with what they like wanted or like testing out or just trying out, I think I do feel like wisdom and like honoring others within the community. Cause I've seen examples where like, and I've been in situations where like, okay, this person likes this person, but then they don't like this person. And then it's like, it's this huge web, but then it's like people get hurt or it just, it does, you know, um, affect the greater community that we're a part of. And so I think just to, maybe the wise of that is also to be able to really honor that person as well as people in the community and to be wise and prayerful before maybe taking action so that it's not just like, let me test things out here and there and just, you know, like acting upon those things without some counsel and wisdom.
0: And I feel like just be more rational for girls. Just think a little bit more. When a guy tests you, it doesn't mean that guy likes you, right? Just be rational. Just think before you respond. And if you don't really like that person, just don't reciprocate, right? Or like, if that person said, how are you to you every day, I don't know, for me, I would feel annoyed. So I don't know, just for like, just... Think a little bit more, and yeah, so it's like it doesn't mean like, yeah, just basically when a guy tests you, it doesn't mean that guy likes you, and just protect your heart in that way. And it's biblical, right? Got your heart, yeah, so yeah.
2: And with that, I think the next question is actually very fitting it's men are mostly logical, and women are mostly emotional. How do we come to a common ground? <laughs> making a relationship work how do you meet each other in the middle if one side is more known to be emotional one side is known to be more logical how do you go through those communication barriers those, those difficulties where you may not be thinking on the same wavelength <laughs> <laughs> mm.
1: well i mean I, I don't really like generalizations because everyone's unique so i have seen guys who are very emotional and some girls who are very logical so I would say there's a propensity or sometimes more like cluster of women who are a little bit more emotional and more guys who are just kind of um, logical. In fact, there's studies that I've done. That's why they say women's brains are like spaghetti and men's brains are like waffles because waffles are just, you know, we have these little compartments, these little like things that we put store away and then we have a nothing box. So when, when the wife that's goes, real. what are you thinking about? nothing what how can you be thinking about nothing nothing so there's a difference and women they could talk about one thing and then introduce five other things and still talk together <laughs> and that's just how god wired you guys up and god wired us up so i don't know if i want to say they're all emotional or they're all logical but we have a little bit of both and so one of the issue is how do you communicate and a lot of it is learning their communicative style. Like my wife finally realized that in order to communicate with me very clearly, she needs to first give me the bottom line. Then she can go into all the detail. And then he blinked three times and then he took a left. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh uh-huh. Because that's how she would start off initially. Oh, my God, today. and I'm like, uh-huh. I'm trying to follow her. I'm like, what? what are you trying to say? And then she got really hurt. And then she realized, oh, for... For me, I like things. Give me the bottom line first. What is it that you're trying to communicate? And then you can fill in all the details. But for her, she doesn't want the bottom line. She just wants to talk and just kind of flow with the conversation. And so a lot of it is more, do you know their communicative style? And so if they are a little bit more logical, then you might have to present things in such a way that they can understand it. If they're a little bit more emotional side or they feel more, then you just got to make sure that as you're sharing more descriptive empathy, being able to empathize with them. I think that's really important. Okay, does that help? And if some of these questions we're not fully answering, please, uh, afterwards, come and talk to us. If you ask some of these questions, we'll try to clarify. Okay.
2: Yeah, so it's already past three, so we just want to cover a, a few more. There's a lot of good questions in here, and hopefully we'll share it with them, and they can also share their thoughts maybe in a different context. Uh, the next question that we want to ask is, uh, is ha- having to do with more of the uh, practical of it, uh, if we grow up in different cultures, different culture and family background, is it okay to have different view on things? Do we have to tolerate the difference?
5: I can't answer. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, if anything, oh, if anything, like. Stinkin and I were completely different. Like, we're from a very different background. Like, he, he's from, like, a Christian home. Like, he's the youngest of, like, four, and I'm the oldest, uh, of the oldest. And that, like, I'm from a Hong Kong very quick, like, uh, culture, and I need to get things done, and he's like, just chill, like, no worries. Um, even things like, uh, I would ask, like, oh, like, even recently, we're engaged, right? So, uh, regarding the logistical things, then I'll be like, oh, you have a friend who has similar background. Maybe you can ask him how that works. And it's literally a two minute thing. It's just send out a quick text. And to him, he's like, okay, I'll do it. And then the next day, I'm like, oh, did you do that? And he's like, oh no, like, uh, I'm in my resting like mode right now. So, <laughs> so he would do it. And I think to me, I'm like, it's really like a text, so for me, I'll just get it done, but for him, he's like, well, he'll get it done like in his own time, too, but he needs his time so and also, like everything you can think, our personality is like completely different too. so with all those differences, like, well, I don't think tolerate is the word, which uh the first three years I think I tolerated that, and i I, 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 but that's not a good view. I think for me, like stepping into the relationship, even though I heard many times that we're not supposed to change them, we cannot change them, they're bad things that will continue to have it, but I think subconsciously I still want to change, like change him in that way. But I said, I think instead of wanting to change them, like how can I just motivate him to want to like grow? I think he has his mind, like he, God will speak to him too, but I think there are times where I'm not a very generous in like, encouraging people or appreciating people but i'm on this challenge one year that okay i'm gonna like just say something appreciative of him and i think prior to that like i give him a task so these do these things like within this week and then like i appreciated him and then first no i don't do it in a way of manipulating it it just happened in the same time frame no, it just happened that i had a life girl or something i'm like okay this week i'm gonna encourage him every day but then surprisingly the next day he actually was not reporting like or just telling me that, oh, he did this things. so I think mean, like as woman too, like I think there are things that I respect him of uh the way the style that he's doing, I think we really need to lay down, and the way that we communicate is very important, so I think sometimes it may sound very rigid, but sometimes I'll be like. He will tell me, okay, like right now, cause maybe we're mostly texting too, but I think that's very helpful is that he would never know that what kind of mood I'm in. So when I'm serious, like I don't like jokes, but he just like to joke around all the time, but he can be serious. So I think sometimes he will be like, okay, right now, like, do you want me just to listen or give you practical ideas? Or right now, like, do you just want to, are you in a serious mo- mode or can I just joke? I think it may sound like very. Richard, but I think in our context too, like I think laying these before we um, talk through things is helpful. But I think in general, trying to find this common ground, and I think for me too, I'm like, do I really want it because this is what I prefer, or is it really like if I'm not doing this, is disobeying God or like disobeying like or or it's not something that I value ultimately? So I think figuring that out and try to pull it closer would help.
3: Um, like even though Eric and I don't come from different cultures we're both like Asian American we grew up in like suburban Midwest um but like just our family cultures are different you know and so we're realizing even though it was culturally we're supposed to be similar we're still very very different many ways and personally I I think when Agnes was sharing one thing that resonated with me was when those differences come out like there's a tendency to like want to run away or just feel like okay it's not going to work out or I just have to tolerate it but I think one thing that we've experienced a lot is those are the best times to redirect each other to the gospel actually and like just a lot of junk comes out and we've had like little ministry uh, like times where she'll be counseling me or i'll be counseling her and like one of us will like break down and I, but it i mean i really appreciate those times because it points me deeper to christ in some of those deeper areas that come out because we're so different and so that was just yeah just reminding me of that as as, as Agnes sharing
0: oh <laughs> oh okay so, I think for me, I mean, Joshua and I have very different family backgrounds. but I feel like we'll always have different feels with someone, though. It's like you'll never have the same feel with someone. And I feel like before you get married, if there are some fundamental feels that you are different, then just consider it, Like, right? It's like, if that person is like, oh, I don't believe that Jesus is God, then think about it. Do you want to get into it, right? And after, that, after if you have know some fundamental feels that you really want to, uh, I don't know how to say in English, but basically like align with, then afterwards, like, all the other fields doesn't really matter, I would say. And they're just like like conflict resolutions after that, I feel like. For example, for me and Joshua, it's like, I am a pretty efficient person, and I don't like bullshit, basically. But for Joshua, he's a natural caretaker, I would say. And a lot of times, he just nag me again and again and again for certain things. And for me, I'm like... So that is always a conflict point. And for us, we now set an expectation like, okay, you can only neck me twice. If I... <laughs> don't do it the third time, leave it at the time to nag me again. So it's like, I feel like it's something that we have to set certain expectations on and I feel like when this, I don't know, just like, you just have to live your life. Yeah.
2: And on that point too, I think this next question is uh, asked someone in our congregation too. Can dating a non-believer be a chance to bring them to Christ? I think seeing as this a possibility, is that why I should date someone that is uh, that is not Christian?
0: Okay, I can share first because I'm actually a uh, product of flirt to Convert but, I mean, like, I shared earlier, right? So I wasn't a Christian, and then he brought me to church, and I became a Christian, but personally, I won't push for that. Yeah, if you are really serious about dating, if you're really serious about forming a family, of course, if you're, like, a Christian, titled Christian, and, like, oh, I just want to date around Danielle, so of course, you don't have to care about it, but if you really want to have a family, then only for me personally, because most of my friends outside of church are, like, 99% are not Christian. A lot of my family members are not Christian. I see too many divorces in my family or my friends' families. I, t- I see too many affairs. I think that is how I grew up. I think earlier when we talked about family values, there's actually one thing that I really have to struggle with. Can someone stay loyal? Can someone really love you forever? I think that's something that I really struggle with. Is like can, some- can someone not to have affairs? right? It's like, I think for me, it's always a real struggle, a real question for me. So I think... If you really, and so I think for me with Joshua, I think I'm really thankful for first Jesus is like for Bible because a lot of these biblical truths really helped me to transform my mind little by little. I want to say I, at this moment, I'm like, Oh my God, it's like whoever is Christian really like will never have affairs or whatever. I think that's very innocent. Oh, not innocent, right? Naive. 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 Yes, naive. Sorry, my, I'm ESL, but yeah, it's like, but I think if you really want to form a family with like a Christian, or kind of like if you want your family to be a certain way, and if you're a Christian, I, I don't see any reason of not dating another Christian, unless you just want to play around. Yeah. Huh? Sure.
1: Um, I, I know this this question is asked because, as I shared earlier, some of you find some people sometimes even nicer than Christians, right? Or someone that has better traits that you're looking for. I think one thing you have to consider is this uh if you do well this is what they call missionary dating and a lot of people say it really works out some it works out but the thing you have to ask is this if they do come to christ are they coming to christ because of you or because of jesus christ so one thing you have to think about is this when you do break it off or when you get to a point where you're like okay you know what this is what i stand for this is what i value so i cannot A lot of times that person who's not a believer will be like, whoa, like this Jesus is really important to her or this Jesus is really important to him. And it actually will be the thing that would be catalytic for them to realize why is it so important to this person? And as they begin to come and search for themselves, God works in their hearts. And it's a powerful thing. And that way I've seen it where they're in a relationship, but one of them who's a Christian realized it's not good, it's not obeying God. So they separate. And through that, that person has their own encounter with God. And then sometimes they come back together. Sometimes they don't, but sometimes they come back together. So I don't know if you want to take that risk. I'm going to be that 1% or that one point whatever. But I would rather say check your heart in the sense of, Will you be okay if they come to Christ because of you? Not because of Jesus, but because of you. And if that's the case, then you're going to have to start questioning, is their faith genuine? And so it's better to have them have experienced God apart from you. And through that, when you guys do come back together, or if you do ever come back together, then at least you will know that they have their own personal relation with Christ. Because at the end of the day, even though you could encourage one another in your marriage, it really comes down to your personal relationship with God. And then you give to each other through that personal relation with God.
2: Uh, this next question is, uh, <clears throat> how to convince guys that it is Im- still important to keep the spark in a relationship? This is asked by someone that's in a relationship.
1: Okay, define spark. What do you think that spark is?
2: Well, spark and in the quotation so I think it's relating back to what you were sharing earlier sure. about how there has to be a spark that physical attraction that, yeah. that keeps us oh you're still interested you're keeping me interested it's not just oh we're together so let's just stay together uh, that's how I'm, I'm interpreting sorry if it's interpreting it wrong okay that's what that's what it was meant he didn't ask he didn't ask it, didn't ask it. it just to clarify Agan did not ask that
1: question <laughs> Okay, brother, in light of your question, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> he did not ask the question, so let's be clear on that. Uh What I would say is this. I think the greatest spark is when you have a common purpose together. It's really powerful. Because when you have a purpose that's common and it is something that is greater than yourself, it will never fade out. So I would say at least focus on that first, the purpose. Uh, and then secondly, what I would say is what helps uh my wife and I is that there are things that we do that help us to remember when we got started and the different ways that we see God work. Uh, in the first five years, maybe six years, we used to always, every anniversary we would watch our old, back then it was like the videotapes, right? we'll stick it in we'll watch our wedding ceremony just to remind us of, oh, yeah, it was such a special time. And so that was something that we did. But then I think after the fifth, we're like, okay, (laughs) we have to start raising these kids. But, you know, just find something that will help you to trigger just – that's why I think it's important as you guys are committed in that relationship and heading towards marriage to start creating memories that will help you later on. And So I think that is another thing that helps.
4: I guess just practically, I think, like, you know, when they do do something that makes you feel like – oh, like, blessed or encouraged or thankful, like, if there are things, well, and fun fact, like, in our wedding vows, he actually said, like, I vow to keep things spicy and spontaneous, so I gotta, I gotta uh, hold into that, but no, I think, like, when, when there are things, like, spontaneously done that are, like, you know, you feel blessed by or you feel like, I mean, for women, I think it's, like, oh, I feel loved, I feel cared for, I feel, you know, like, that the, the person cares, I think just being able to appreciate or, like, reaffirm it, <laughs> positive reinforcement, or I think also if, if I'm feeling, like, okay, like, Cause we were looking back recently at, on some photos as well. I'm like, oh, we did a lot more fun things like when we were dating or engaged. I mean, I kind of, I kind of mentioned that. But I think, so I think, I mean, just being honest about communication and like how you feel or like, oh, hey, or even for me, like, hey, let's go, you know, maybe let's do this or suggesting things. I think it like helps. I don't think it has to be just the guy that keeps that spark going, but I think it's like, you know, both people continue to invest in it or like even being able to evaluate. Like, oh, how, how do you think, you know, at important mi- milestones, like at six months or a year, I feel like being able to like talk about it and say like, okay, how do we want to keep investing? Or we kind of keep in our vocabulary, I think we talk about, you know, let's keep, you know, committing to these things or trying things and doing things together. So I think it's like a two-way street for me.
2: And just uh, and, uh, for the sake of time, we're going to uh, end with this last question. Um, it's, uh, is it okay to be in a relationship? And as you're learning about the other person, as you mentioned, all parts of him and her, you realize that he or she ain't the one. So I think this is more in the context of us Christians. We feel like if God is the center of the relationship, then it should always work out. You can always compromise. You can always work it out. You can always realign and work conflict resolution. So what happens if you're in a relationship and you feel like this isn't the one? Is that okay and you just get married? Or how does that? How should that look like?
1: Don't get married. <laughs> I, I, don't, I personally don't think you should get married. If you're feeling more and more this person isn't the one, then I think that's where you just got to be humble and just say, you know what, and have that hard talk. This is why we always try to encourage as – it's kind of like this. Before you jump into the water, you got to know how deep it is, or it could literally break your spine. And the thing that I share is I think there's so many people that get into a relation. They rush through this, and they don't do the homework. And as they rush into it, they're already now emotionally attached, some of them get really physically involved, and there's a lot of issues with that because now your soul your soul ties, you're now getting involved that way. That what happens is it gets really tough to pull out because some of you are like, oh, I should just f- bear through it. But I'm telling you right now, that is not how you want to live your life. So this is just like – I know some people will have different opinions. Other pastors might have different opinions, but I've, I've done so many marriage counseling that my heart breaks when I think about some of these guys struggling – so I say it's okay to be in a relationship, but as long as you do the homework, do, more homework you do early on, so watch them carefully in group settings. See how they relate to other sisters. See how they relate to other brothers. And watch all that. Get to know this person. Serve together. Do some, like, smaller group stuff. Look at how he responds in life group. See how they, if you do some one-on-ones of you serving together in different ways, watch that person. Are they consistent in all these different contexts? Because if you do more homework than all the stuff you're going to face, because you will face some, you can overcome it. I believe you could overcome it. But if you're in this already and then more and more there's this nagging feeling that she or he is not the one, then it's always easier to prick them with the pin than stab them with the knife. What I mean that it's going to hurt. But it's, getting stuck by a pin is like, ow, oh, but they can move on if it doesn't work out. But if you get too involved in this and then you pull out last minute, it's going to really deeply wound that person. And part of learning how to honor them is to avoid those kind of situations. So what I would say is if you are in a relationship and then more and more it's not clicking or if you just feel like, man, maybe I just rushed into it, spend some time. This is what I advise this one, several couples when they caught to that point where maybe this isn't it, I told them to take a break just maybe for about several weeks, even a month. One, one person did it for two months. They said, let's just stop talking and let's just pray. And then as they did that, God convicted both of them that this is the one, and so they got back together. Other people, when they broke it off, they realized, yeah, they feel like this isn't the one. And so that's when they had that talk. And it was painful, but they had that talk because why would you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody that you realize that they might not have been the one? And that's where it leads to all these other stuff. And that's going to cause more pain. Whether it's divorce later, uh, marital affairs, that brings more pain later. So it's easier to hurt them earlier than getting married and hurt them more deeply. And then you get, if you have kids in there, you're going to affect the next generation. So the cost is too great. So I say do it earlier. Okay, can we just close with this then? Okay, thank you. Let's give these guys a hand. Thank you, guys can I ask us to uh, stand let's stand in, as we close out here and well first of all thank you guys for just being patient and um, joining us for the last couple hours um, I, I'm really hoping because uh, uh, like I only know like a handful of some of you because you know just through Sunday different interaction uh, I'm really glad that uh, some of you who are who came today for the first time or you've been part of our life group but I haven't really met you one-on-one. I'm glad you're part of this community. And you know one of the beautiful things is that relationships should never be done alone. We're in this together. I, I know some of you are in a difficult situation, parental pressure. Maybe some of you have, like, thoughts in your mind, like, why isn't anybody, like, here for me, all that. But let me just encourage you that no relationship in this world, even some of your closest friends, and I have some really close friends, no relationship, even your spouse, Christina cannot meet. She meets a lot of my needs, but there are some basic core needs that she cannot fully meet. Only God can. That's why I I like what the writer of Ecclesiastes says in the book, in the Bible. He says that God has created eternity in our hearts that only he can fill. And that's what Blaise Pascal, the famous mathematician, the French mathematician, that's what he said. He said that all of us, have this God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. And so sometimes we replace that hole in our hearts that's made for God because we're made for eternity. We fill it with the relationships. And then what happens is that we get empty, we get hurt. And then after a while, like, this is it? I thought that it was going to fulfill me. That's what I hear oftentimes. I mean, great marriages, people are happy, but then they realize, oh, I still have the issues. Oh, like, I still have these longings in my heart. Only God can fill it. So if I can encourage you, if you've never been to church or a life group, come on out and try it at least once. You don't have to come back the second time, but at least try it out. Uh, get to know people. And I'm going to pray for all of you guys to really believe that we're going to have some healthy relationships and some great marriages. Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen? So great marriages in our church and in our society. That's how we're going to change the world. So can I just pray for you? I'm going to pray for us right now. Lord, thank you so much for this time together. And we know that relationships are really on your heart because you are in fellowship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You created man and woman, and they fill the earth, and you long for a relationship with us. So you're all about relationships. Even marriage is your idea. So all we can say is we know this is on your heart. I just pray that you'll give us the grace not to try to force things or try to do things our way. May we be submitted and surrendered to you. I do pray, Lord, for many of these brothers and sisters who are praying for a future spouse. That God, in your timing and as you know all things, whoever this person may be, God, I pray that you will bring them before them. And that they will be able to know that they are the one that you have for them. Lord, bless all the relationships here. Bless future marriages that we will see and through that lord we know we're going to build not only a strong community but a strong society that we can see lives being changed we look at hong kong all the broken families all the broken relationships all the broken marriages and god we just don't want to repeat that in our generation and the next generation so we know that even though there's a fear but in our hearts we can be bold knowing that when you're with us all things are possible. So, Lord, we trust in you. So I thank you for these brothers and sisters. Thank you for all that you're doing. We love you. We worship you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys.
0: Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.